Well, it's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in church. It's a good day to open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter number 5. In your Bible, Daniel, chapter number 5. We would be absolutely neglectful and remiss not to be in prayer for uh, all of the families of the casualties in France. 129 killed, 352 injured, as according to the numbers that I have been able to find. Six terrorist attacks, all organized and uniformly engaged. They say and ask the question, how could it happen? Well, it's been happening all along. It's just, we think life is nothing but a tailgate party. We cook our hot dogs and enjoy our little family and let everybody else go to hell in a handbasket. So I thought today would be a good day to preach out of Daniel 5, verses 1 through 6, entitled, When the Party Pooper Shows Up. I think he showed up. And I don't think he's done showing up. I think we, as proverbial ostriches, need to get our head out of the sand and realize there's something going on that might affect not only the world, but our immediate family. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 5 in your Bible, it reads something like this. Belshazzar. The king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of the Lord, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. Now, if you see any comparison in the text to today, you might ought to write in there, oh me. Not amen, oh me. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand 
and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. I would say, they're having a party. And I would say that America is having her party. Probably if you would go through our membership today, uh, you might find um, 2,000, 2,500 members. Some of them having a party their own party, their own thing, playing their own game, calling their own rules. Wonder what's going to happen when the party pooper shows up. We're introduced here to the king of Babylon. I don't know what's cracking, but I hope it's not a bomb. For our instruction today, I'd just like to inform you that America is not the first and only superpower nation. So now we get the idea that we're the first and the last, and we're going to last forever. There's been many, many, many superpowers before we ever come on the scene. Babylon is one of those superpowers. Assyria, another superpower. The Medo-Persian Empire, another superpower. The Roman Empire, the one who followed the roads throughout the Bible lands, making it possible for the gospel to be spread throughout all of those worlds. The Roman Empire. Study them, and you'll find that there was something called the Third Reich. I know you know your history, and you've heard of the Soviet Union. America. And maybe you could call China a superpower. The tendency of every nation and church throughout history, you notice the tendencies of every nation, every church that ever has ever done anything for the Lord, the tendency of all of them are the same. May I allude to them? First of all, they begin to believe that they will always be around. I mean, who could ever invade America? We're guarded by oceans. We're guarded by a great military power. Who in the world could ever invade a country such as this? Well, the first time it happened was 25 years ago, the first terrorist attack in this country. 
And for 25 years now, little by little, we're being invaded. The first thing that happens to a nation or a church, or maybe a home, a family, is take it for granted that we're always going to be like this. The second thing that usually happens is we slowly push God out of the picture. We did not kick God out of schools all at once. Now, we did not kick God out of our government buildings all at once. We did it slowly and, and just uh, uh, began to ease him out. And then we take him out of our public life. God knows how damaging those Ten Commandments are hanging on a wall. Let's take the Ten Commandments down and replace it with drug dogs and policemen, uniformed policemen, walking the halls of the school. You know there's a lot of prevention in that. And then we begin to forbid the mention of his name. We can talk about Allah, Buddha, Muhammad. Don't you mention Jesus. Don't, don't you dare mention Jesus. Don't you talk about Christianity. And if you do, talk about how Christians has misbehaved and harmed and hurt and crucified and persecuted all the other denominations. Next, we begin to ridicule those that do believe in God. What a bunch of eggheads, airheads, dummies. Don't you know that they're a product of science? I've seen a lot of those products. then we promote those who promote man and downplay God. Have you seen any of that lately? Have you witnessed any of that? Then we begin to chase, chafe, and laugh at absolutes. Black is no longer black. White is no longer white. Dear God, let's just mix them and make a little gray. Don't stand for anything. Fall for everything. They hate those who tell the truth and embrace those who tell lies. I'm not necessarily a Trump lover, but at least you know he's a Presbyterian. You don't know what Obama is. And you don't know what the rest of those guys are. And so what we do, every great nation, every great church, every great society, they begin to believe that we'll always be here and slowly we'll push God out of the picture and ridicule those who believe him and rewrite the rule book. Chief Justice Scalia said last week, I read, that no longer is the Supreme Court the judicial branch 
But now it is a legislative branch. No longer do they interpret laws. Now they are making laws. And our Supreme Court is filled with liberal judges. And they're taking our society down the drain with them. I, I don't know. Maybe the party poopers about ready to write something on the wall for America. And over time, we take God for granted and turn to our own idols that we've made ourselves technology. If we were as faithful to the Bible as we are to a cell phone, we'd be the most spiritual folks in the world. And then we begin to worship things that we made with our hands instead of the one who made us. And the tendency of every nation, every superpower, every home and every church, it seemed like they would take the same road. Have you ever heard this phrase? The handwriting is on the wall. Now, I don't mean to be offensive, but have you ever heard anybody say the obese lady is about to faint? <laughs> Don Meredith made that famous. You know the song she was about to sing? Turn out the lights. The party's over. Are we listening at all to God? Does these things happen just out of coincidence? Is 9-11 just now become a fragment of our history? Is the Gulf War and Vietnam and World War II and Korea and are these just something we didn't experience? Has the handwriting been on the wall all the time? And we are just having too much fun to realize the party might be over. Now, I know it's not a people problem. It's a gun problem. You know, you you know, assault weapons are banned in France. You you can't get a an assault weapon in France. You didn't know that. But they found a car, an automobile, stacked full of assault weapons, driven by a Syrian refugee, planted by ISIS in Paris, France. Do you know how easy it is to get anything into America? I'll not tell you his name. Recently, a missionary was coming home from deep South America. The Mexican officials would not allow him to get his furniture 
everything that he'd had in the field across the board. My mic's not on. Oh, it's hanging down. You'll be up here at night. Can you hear me now? <laughs> That's what happens when you get old. You lose all sanity, feeling, everything else. How easy is it to get the terrorists and their equipment into this country? For a day, two days, they tried everywhere in the world to get their belongings across the border. Forbid by the Mexican officials. So what they did is they took their trailer, emptied all of the trailer in a storage building in Mexico, took the trailer and the truck across the border, went down the border a few miles, crossed the bridge back into Mexico, came back to where the furniture was, got it out of the storage building, put it on a barge, and sent it across the river. Barge, large boat, full of refrigerators, household goods. Took the truck with the trailer back down to the bridge, crossed the bridge, back over, loaded the trailer, and brought the stuff home. That's the reason when our president says we're more secure in America than we've ever been, I feel so good. I feel absolutely as if I was in heaven so secure. I believe. The party pooper is about to show up. And I believe God might be trying to get somebody's attention. You said, well, I hope he gets Obama's. What about yours? We change a situation or a nation one person at a time. Why don't you just become the first? to wake up and realize that God may be trying to get somebody's attention. I know you've heard of Babylon. I know you've heard of Iraq. I know you've heard of Syria. I know you've heard of ISIS, Al-Qaeda. I know you've heard of all of that. This may be old hat, but I think it's applicable. March 19, 2003, Saddam Hussein, and his two boys, who also were insane, invited a few of their friends and advisors to a dinner with them in a, an exclusive restaurant downtown Baghdad. Mind you now, all the while, Saddam Hussein knew that America was about to invade Baghdad, just across the border in Kuwait, there awaits the massive army 
of the United States of America and Saddam and the rest of the insane family is having a party. Now, please be patient with me. They did this in spite of America massing the army. They were not concerned too much about the threat of war or destruction. They were having a party. Well, unknowing to Saddam, some of the special forces of the United States of America learned that Saddam was having a party. They notified the president then, George W. Bush, who said what he meant and meant what he said. That's been a long time. Somebody said, well, he's stupid. Well, what would you call the one we got now in relation to that? And they had the party as planned. Right in the middle of the party, somebody else decided to come in the shape of cruise missiles. George Walker Bush decided to show up. And Buddy just blew the party to smithereens. Well, the Husseins got away. But Saddam, like many of us, when the handwriting was on the wall, he's going to party anyhow. Saddam liked to compare himself to Nebuchadnezzar. You did know that. In fact, he believed and preached that he was the reincarnate of Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. And began to build, rebuild the city of Babylon just 50 miles north. But he didn't last that long. Babylon was a New York City of its day. A center of prestige, a center of art. Also... There was the Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world. But from a military point of view, Babylon was indestructible. They were resting on their invincibility. The wall surrounding Babylon was 300 foot high, 80 foot thick and 35 feet buried underground so that no conquering army could tunnel their way in. The river Euphrates ran right through the city, thusly delivering fresh water on a regular basis. Experts have said that inside the walls of Babylon, there was 20 years of food supplies and Babylon was absolutely indestructible and invincible. 
So, while the media Persians are outside the wall planning to conquer the city like Saddam, Belshazzar said, we have nothing to worry about. It's party time. We're America. Nobody can infiltrate us. Let's go to the game and have a tailgate party. Let's teach our kids really what's important. How to cook broth hot dogs. And what flavor of beer to drink. Because it's party time. It's party time. And so Belshazzar has him a party. You want to look at it for just a minute? Belshazzar exemplifies, I think, America playboy philosophy. He had everything he desired. He didn't have a place of God in his, uh, God, uh, for God in his life. His God were gold, silver, iron, and precious jewels. His philosophy was materialism. His gods were idols, and his life's goal were pleasure. So let's have a party. Verse 1. Let's have a party. And the Bible said that Belshazzar, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords. I suppose he had the secretary of state. Secretary of Treasurer. I imagine he had uh, some representatives and senators there. Speakers of the House who never speak. And he had a party. A political wing day. Well, I'll tell you. I've preached funerals. It's noisier than it is in here this morning. A political wing day. You know where our president is today? He's in Turkey. Yeah. At the G20 Economy Summit. Isn't that nice? You know what one of our presidential candidates in the Democratic Party said last night on the debate? That our biggest danger is climate control. I'm already getting cold. Give me a break. Give me a break. France. Paris, and we're meeting in a wingding, going to settle the world's economy, when, bless God, ours is down the tube. Wolfenbarger's aren't real smart. I've noticed that. My oldest son, Gene Jr., probably saved $5 one time, and he is going to invest it. So he called an investor, a financial investor, and 
called him and made an appointment and went to see him. And before they ever started, Gene looked at the guy and said, Say, sir, tell me how much you're worth. And the guy said, Why? Gene said, If I'm worth more than you, you need to be paying me. God help us. We're in Turkey at an economy, economic summit when our national debt is so completely out of reality we can't even keep up with it by watching it second by second. Preacher, I come to hear about Jesus. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells you so. And if you've got one in your lap, go home and read it and you'll find out what you need to know. America has developed the same party spirit that Belshazzar had. And life is more than fun, folly, and foolishness. And while Belshazzar had his party, invited all the elites of the day, and had everybody there that needed to be there, all of a sudden at the party, they developed a problem. Notice, if you would please, verse 2 through 4, a party problem. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. Now be careful, I want you to to watch this. We're going to read these verses. verses. I want you to determine in your own mind what caused God to act. Was it the lewdness? Was it the debauchery? Was it the drunkenness? Was it the permissiveness and the sex? What was it that caused God to act? Did somebody step across God's line? Let's read it now. Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, brass, iron, wood, and stone. What caused the problem? How close are we in America, in our church and in our homes, doing the same thing? I'm not talking about watching pornography on your television at night when everybody else is asleep. I'm not talking about a perversion kind of lifestyle. I'm talking about something that caused God to act. Somebody stepped across the line. 
How close are we in America? How close are you and I in our homes to doing the same thing of stepping across the line? I, I just don't want to be rude or anything, but I think maybe that's what Adam and Eve did. God said, you can do it all, but this one thing, you step across that line, and that's it. You eat off of that one tree, you eat off of that tree, and you have just stepped across the line. The day you do, the day you do, you shall surely die. Well, what kind of God is that? Surely we don't serve that kind of God today. Surely God would not be so firm in a day of permissiveness, in a day of liberalism. Surely God would not be a God of justice and a God of love at the same time. I don't know. But I do know that in the Bible there was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And I do know that God said in Numbers 4 and 15, the sons of Korath, shall come and bear it. Only they could bear the Ark of the Covenant. But do not touch the holy things. And in transporting the Ark one day, just they hit a bump, and Uzziah turned by chance just to steady the Ark, and when he touched it, God killed him, strong graveyard dead. Cross the line. Cross the line. It seems as though there's no lines in America. But have we? It's 12 o'clock. I bet you thought it was 2 o'clock. Have we? Cross the line? The Bible talks about a day that God has hallowed each week. Have we begun to take for granted that God didn't mean that Sunday would be hallowed as a day of worship? Did we read Leviticus 27 where it says there's a certain amount of money in a Christian's life that is holy and hallowed? And have we begun to use that which is hallowed for ourselves? I read, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God you are not your own you are bought with a price so glorify God in your body and your spirit which are the Lord's has God drawn a line and we just act like Nothing to it. Is the handwriting on the wall? 
How are you going to act when the party pooper shows up? You think God shed his precious blood for us? And have no demands of our life or our rights? We better quit throwing rocks at Obama. Start looking in the mirror. The problem, the party. Verses 5 through 7, I've got to give you this and I'll close. The party pooper. Nobody loves a party pooper. Have you ever noticed that? We well, ought not be doing that. Why, are you a party pooper or something? Does anybody here ever remember in your life a party pooper? <laughs> Some of you folks holy you ain't never been to a party. You don't know what you missed. We need to have a party after a while. Get some of you to smile and have a good time. Uh, now, now th- this, this is good. Verse 5. What's this? The Bible says, in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Kind of reminds me of a Charlie Chan movie. And Charlie Chan's equipment carrier it got dark and something was off. His old knees would start shaking. You remember that? Any folk old enough to remember Charlie Chan? His old knees would start knocking. He'd look down and say, now, whatever you do, don't you fail me now. Over on the wall, Belshazzar and a thousand of his princes and the concubines and all the wives noticed something unusual. On the wall, no, no arm just a hand writing on the wall. Had a tendency to kind of shake things up. Verse 5 tells us the means. Just a man's hand. The God that you and I serve are not limited to means. It may be a doctor who says it's terminal. It may be a lawyer who tells you your child support is $20,000 a week. It might be a policeman who said, can't you read the word stop? Oh, well, I thought it meant slide through. It may be friends or foes. It may be sickness or sorrow. But let me tell you something. The party pooper for a child of God will always show up. God used a prophet in David's life when Nathan said, David, thou art the man. He used a rooster in Peter's life. And when the rooster crew, Peter wept bitterly. 
may be a computer in the pedophile's life. I didn't know they could check that, but I'd already erased. Trouble with the computer, you don't erase it. It may be a bright light and a slap on the honey to the Apostle Paul. It was a man's hand for Belshazzar. I don't want to be for us. But 9-1-1 didn't accomplish it. 25 years of terrorist attacks have not accomplished it. One socialist president has not accomplished it. Liberal Supreme Court has not accomplished it. I don't know what's going to take to wake us up, but God ain't out of means. Are you listening to me? God is not out of means. The message was loud and clear. Belshazzar, you've crossed the line. Verse 11 tells us, and this is great, there is a man. I underline those, those four words. There is a man. There's a man in the kingdom, his wife said, that's able to tell you what's going on. His name is Daniel. In fact, He's the one that told your father or your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, about his dream. And in verses 17 through 21, Daniel gives Belshazzar a history lesson. He says, you remember, Nebuchadnezzar, how that God gave him all the kingdom, gave him this magnificent, marvelous kingdom, set him up, and he had the power to kill who he would, rise up who he would, stand up who he would, lay down who he would. And it went to his head, the Bible said. Went to his head. And he took credit for everything that God had done for him. So God turned him out to pastor. He's a crazy man. And he wandered in the in the fields and ate with the horses and ate with the cattle and his fingernails grew as an eagle's claws and he was a raving madman. And then he came to himself and God set him up again. Now what's this? And Belshazzar, you knew all that. You knew all that. And what did you learn from history? Nothing. What have we learned from history? Amen. What are we teaching our kids about our history? Well, we don't have time. We've got to go to the tailgate party. Let our kid go to hell in a handbasket while we're having a party with the folk down at the job. Well, the preacher showed up and then he gave him a theological lesson in verse 22. You proud, arrogant booger. God don't bless pride. God blesses humility. I close with the promise. Verse 25. I 
close with this. Verse 25, and Daniel says to the king, this is the interpretation and the writing that was written. Meany, meany, tickle you farson. You know what that means, don't you? This is the interpretation of the thing, meaning God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Belshazzar stepped across the line. One of the greatest superpowers in the history of mankind. God said, it's done. Just that way. Done. How long would it take God to finish this one? Is there anybody awake? Robert, say amen. You're the biggest thing I know. Amen, buddy. If you don't like that, just jump on Robert. Verse 27. Tickle. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Verse 28, thy kingdom, or forces, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Oh, those folks outside the wall who's preparing to conquer the city, who you think cannot pregnate those 300-foot walls, 30 feet thick, 35 feet deep. Oh, Your kingdom's done. You've been found wanting. And tomorrow, the Medes and the Persians will be inside the city. Well, that's an impossibility. How'd they do that? Well, they got them a couple of bulldozers and backhoes and rerouted the Euphrates River around the city and they walked in on the riverbed and destroyed the indestructible, the invincible. I close with verse 30 and 31. And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius and the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. We ought to be aware that life is more than a party. And that God is not just messing around. And this thing of Christianity is not just something to do on Sunday. That's why our nation is in the mess she's in today. Because of Sunday morning Christians. You say, you're going to make me mad. No, it's the way it is because of 
finalist preachers like me who's afraid to make somebody mad. See, our biggest problem is not ISIS. And our biggest problem is not Al-Qaeda. Our biggest problem is S-I-N, sin. Sin. And the world's solution is not Obama and a G20 economic clinic and summit. The solution is a Savior who is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. God help us to pray for our leadership. Pray for preachers across America that's not afraid to stand on their hind two legs and preach the Word of God without compromise, without fear if somebody's going to get mad and take their tithe down the road. God, give us some preachers that our kids would be proud of to follow. God, help us to realize that life is more than just a party. It's not about being happy, it's about being holy. God did not save us to be happy, he saved us to be holy. And all of God's people said,